This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. Well, this morning I'm on the phone with Kayla Doan, who's uh, started a new kombucha company out in Colorado. Hi, Kayla. How are you? Hi, Ian. I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's always interesting to get in touch with people just starting the commercial kombucha uh, venture. Um, let's, well, I always begin by asking people, uh, when did you meet your first SCOBY? How, how long ago, or how <laughs> did you get to, into, how did you get to first ferment kombucha? When did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so I knew that my story was a little bit unique, but um, I, it really hit home to me when you and I were first chatting, Ian, and I think your eyes just about bulged out of your head when I shared with you that I brewed my first gallon of kombucha about six months before I opened up commercial operations. And so I was in this very kind of special time in my life where I had taken a step away from um, my kind of corporate tech career and I went on sabbatical. And in this time, um, I had about a year off, which I'm super grateful for. Um, I made a bucket list and brewing kombucha was just one line item on a list of like 30 things. And so, um, you know, it was, I want to say like late summer, I brewed that first gallon and my experience was similar to probably that of a lot of your listeners where, you know, when you use organic ingredients, you think about water quality, you really kind of oversee the whole production, you know, the flavor that can come out of that can just absolutely blow your mind. So thankfully, my first gallon batch tasted really good because if it didn't, I probably wouldn't have ended up launching this company. Um, but yeah, I just was so blown away. Um, I shared it with my friends and then I was like, it would be so cool if I could share this with folks in my community. So yeah, since I was in this special time of being on sabbatical, I ended up launching this company last spring, um, about six months after playing with my first Gobi. Yeah, well, that is a that is a ramp, a quick ramp. And just so people are clear, your base, uh, your home is in the well, looks like a small town in the Rockies of Salida, which I, I must confess I'd never heard of, but it it looks like it's due west of Colorado <laughs> Springs. And I looked it up on on the internet. You're at seven thousand feet with about what five mm -hmm. or six thousand people living there. So is that your mm -hmm. market? Do you, do you pretty much just sell locally in the town of Salida? Yeah, yep. So I moved here from Boston, and um, that really shaped how I launched this company. So I knew that, you know, if I was back in Boston launching this company, the way that I would do it would be so drastically different than how I would launch in a town of, we're now at about 10,000 people, um, and we get a little bit more traffic in the summertime with tourism, but yeah, it's a small town, and as you called out, Colorado Springs, which is our next kind of largest city, um, is about two and a half hours away. So very different um, kind of geo area and region to be launching a kombucha company in. Um, the positive side is, you know, a lot of folks, some who you've had on your podcast, really struggle with just educating the community on hey, this is what kombucha is. This is why you should try it. It's probably, you know, a flavor profile that you've never tasted before. They're really in the education stage. Whereas, you know, me hanging out with my earthy, crunchy neighbors, 
here in you know our tiny little mountain town, um, most customers that I talk with have been brewing kombucha for the last like ten years. Like we'll actually talk about, them and they'll say, "Hey, can you make this you know particular recipe?" Or I love these flavors. Like they are so active in giving feedback. Um, and really shaping what this product has become. So definitely has come with its unique challenges launching in a small town, but it's also been just so cool and very rewarding in other aspects. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. So what you're saying is in the town residents, there's an, any number of home brewers, and so it's not like you're trying to tell people who've never heard about kombucha. You've got, and, and those home brewers presumably like to sample yours as well as, as, well as their own homebrew. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of folks, some are currently active home brewers, but a lot are, you know, they maybe will brew a gallon in the summertime, then maybe they'll take a year off, and then maybe they'll ramp up um, the following year. So really hobby brewing. And yeah, they um, are typically folks that just love supporting people who are trying to do the same. So it's been such a welcoming community to open up this, this business, Wildflower Kombucha in. Yeah. So is there, I mean, we're right now in the middle of winter, so I can only imagine up there mm-hmm. at 7,000 feet, it's, it, there are presumably no farmer's markets. Um, how <laughs> is it like delivery to, the, to people's homes? Or do you, do you have anywhere people can come and, and uh, pick up a gallon or a pint or a glass bowl? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. So with this company, um, one thing I'm probably most proud of um, is that I really approached this as a new kind of venture, and I knew I would have to kind of go to market in a very creative way. So my background, Ian, is in new product innovation in tech and software. So I had never worked with a physical product before, knew nothing about producing kombucha, um, but I knew a lot about business and specifically with launching companies and launching startups very quickly with um, you know, using your resources really wisely. Um, and so what I was able to do was experiment with a lot of different ways of what was going to work in my community. So I tried direct-to-consumer, tried wholesale, um, you know, have a couple retail accounts. And so what I was able to find last year is when I keep a really lean business, so I'm super thoughtful about the expenses that kind of go out the door, I'm then able to ramp up production as I want and also ramp down production as I want. And so this summer, or sorry, this winter, I was actually able to take a step away from kombucha. To your point, everyone is coming here for skiing right now. Um, And, you know, skiing and a cold glass of kombucha don't always mix. But in the summertime when you're coming here for rafting and for hiking um, and being in the great outdoors, that's a great time where you would want a fresh, locally produced, um, you know, sustainable, fully organic glass of kombucha. And so with this lean model, I brew out of a commercial kitchen and I'm able to rent out monthly. And so it has really worked out for me to kind of ramp up production during those high season times. And in 2023, I'm actually going to be testing out a CSA model. So what this means for us is we're going to be producing almost like a big harvest. If you think, you know, to your local farmer that is, you know, growing vegetables, they have one big harvest at the end of the season, and folks who are a part of their 
CSA program or are buying from that harvest will kind of stock up through the fall, through the winter time. And so that's a model that we're moving to where we'll do one big production right before summer, hook up our community, our friends, our you know, retail providers, and carry them through summer. And then do another okay. big batch of production in the fall, again, hook all of our customers, everyone in our community up through the fall and through next winter as well. So pretty unique business model um, that I'm really proud that I was able to uh, kind of create this unique go-to-market plan that just really works for me and works for this business and this community that I'm in. Yes, help me out. What does CSA uh, initial stand for? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I actually don't know the – abbreviation or the acronym off the top of my head, but it is mostly used with farmers. So you will buy into and buy a share of their harvest for the year. Um, And also I've seen this with uh, flower production as well. So you almost own like a percentage Uh, of the entire harvest. And then if it's a great year, maybe you'll get more product than um, than you expected. I get it. If it's not a great year, you also um, are helping the farm um, with that downside as well. So it's a way for these producers, um, farms in particular, to get investment before they actually go into their farming season. So they have all the resources that they need to produce food for the community. Right. In fact, yeah. it's reminded me. It stands for Community Supported Agriculture (CSA). That's uh, Ooh, okay, that's what you're that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're doing that. Uh, yeah. Like you say, getting the community because you're you're in a suitably sized area where there is a real community. It's not like in a big city where you're in a neighborhood and people drift on through from elsewhere. Um, it sounds like you have. Uh, I'm curious, you say you, your lean business background, lean business is kind of a tech term that comes from, uh, you know, whatever they call it, uh, different methods of, of really getting yeah. the most bang for the buck. But, and and mm-hmm. I, I relate totally to the fact because I came from a tech background and when you, you know, I'm a hobbyist, I make my kombucha at home um, and it really mm-hmm. is nice, refreshing to get your hands on a product that you know you have to nurture and and keep uh, keep the flow going but it's great that you you've taken those skills and uh, and reapplied them and also i know that your interest uh, extends to what you can call the circular economy uh, in yeah. what ways is that in what ways is that impl- in, implicated or how does that apply to your business yeah so one thing that I learned from, you know, my time in tech that I also use with small businesses that are in my community, so I'm a small business consultant with our local small business development center here in town, um, and that is really taking in this, uh, you know, kind of thought process of challenging everything you think you know. So in the tech industry, we would call this testing your assumptions. And so I knew because of the size of the town that we were in, um, and just also the, you know, the aspects of the business that I was most excited about, I knew that I would have to get really creative. So let me give you a couple of examples, and hopefully this helps some listeners also some, challenge some assumptions that they might have. So for example, I um, kind of tested this assumption early on that I would need to pay someone to produce this like, really beautiful logo for me. 
So that is something that, you know, a lot of small businesses will do. You know, they get their company name, and before they even produce one unit of whatever it is they're doing, in our case, it's, you know, sharing one bottle of, of kombucha with a potential customer, they'll go pay someone thousands of dollars to really amp up their branding. And so that is one choice. But for me, I found I actually didn't need a logo um, in order to launch this company and still have a presence in my community where people knew me and were kind of already starting to share word of mouth. And so when you and I first met, Ian, I was starting to dabble in AI to produce my logo for me. Um, Another thing that I did was challenge the assumption that I would need labels. Printed, and turns out, you know, following my local restrictions and the volume that I was producing at, I actually didn't need labels. So all of these kind of traditional notions that we have of what a quote unquote professional business or a commercial business looks like, I was really able to deconstruct that down to, you know, the the core of what I needed to get this company running and see like. Do I even like it? You know, do, do I want to spend my time doing this? And fortunately, it was. And so to circle back to uh, you know, your question around the circular economy, a huge blocker that I had at the start was trying to figure out how I would source glasses, like glass bottles. And I quickly found through you know, just spending time in Excel and calling a whole bunch of manufacturers, I was not able to source new glass bottles to fill my kombucha with um, at a rate that would like make me any money. Like I essentially would not have been able to open this company at all if I was purchasing glass bottles new. And so I knew I had to get creative and I was like, okay, why don't we try this, and here's the buzzword, the circular economy in glass. And so essentially what that means, and it is a buzzword right now, is if you think of back to kind of the milkman days where a company that is selling milk will, you know, buy a certain number of um, glass bottles. They'll fill those bottles, bring it out to a customer. Customer enjoys milk. They then put that empty bottle out on their front step. The company comes back around, grabs grabs that bottle, deeply sanitizes it, fills it back back up, and gets it back out to customers. And so what I tried last year and what ended up working out really well was I asked my community to share their empty glass bottles with me. Um, When I started, I took any brand of kombucha and any brand of any other drink that was bottled in glassware. I stripped that down deeply sanitized it, and then I made it available for customers who would come to me and fill from our keg so they could either bring glass bottles that were clean from their house or they could take one from the stack that, that we had that were sanitized for their use. And so I had a lot of questions around this. I was like, is this going to turn people off? Is there going to be you know, kind of that mental model of mass production equals health? Um, and I was so pleasantly surprised because the community kind of rallied behind this. Like even um, people who would not necessarily be kombucha consumers were supporting my business and were so excited to kind of partake in this reuse economy. And I also found some surprise outcomes as well. So I found that when people knew what lengths I was going to to support the environment, be more sustainable, like there's wins all over the place here. I found that they weren't even questioning my product because, you know, if they see how much effort I'm putting into 
um, you know, this circular economy and thinking about packaging, of course I'm bringing that level of mindfulness to sourcing all of the ingredients to the water quality in my kombucha. So overall, um, doing this kind of hacky type of approach of reusing glass bottles actually, I think, increased kind of the brand equity that I was building up and just engaged the community in such a cool way. Um, so that's how I was even able to open up my business because like I said, I wouldn't have even been able to get started if I was buying glassware directly from the manufacturers. It just would have been, it would have completely priced me out. And I think a lot of other small producers run into that as well. It is just mm -hmm. so expensive to buy net new and it's also incredibly harmful to our environment. So I'm really proud yeah. about, um, you know, the kind of testing that out and, Throughout all of 2022, we did not buy a single glass bottle, um, which is really wild looking back. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I can relate to that as a home brewer. I, I carefully husband the, uh, the glass bottles I need because I give a bunch away to friends. I always ask them to return the bottles where I sanitize them. And uh, it's mm -hmm. great that it's working on a, a small commercial scale for you. And like you say, it's... it's um, helps build your brand equity as a conscious uh, business that um, you did touch on one thing and I, I don't want to get into it in depth because we could probably spend an hour talking about it but I, I did find you because you uh, had generated your wildflower logo and if you're listening to the podcast go to Booch News and you'll see a picture of the logo that was generated by this AI tool Midjourney which I actually hadn't heard of I'd heard of chat GPT for text but since then, I've become addicted to mid-journey because you can have so much mm -hmm. fun. And uh, you did a great uh, – you did all that yourself, I take it. You, you, you generated it in the AI tool, which gave you sort of a, a rough idea, and then put it into Photoshop to finish it up. Is that how it worked for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was playing around, you know, similar to yourself with tools like ChatGBT, and I stumbled across – um, imagery and visual AI generation tools like Midjourney. And so I just was hanging out at my house and played for an hour or two one evening, not expecting for it to turn into anything. And yeah, you were able to find me through that, which is very cool. And so what I was able to do was, you know, I gave this AI a couple of prompts about, um, you know, the values that, uh, you know, this kombucha company had, um, a couple different elements that I wanted it to consider, um, some colors. So I told it that I wanted some soft colors in the logo, and I had it generate for me all of these different variations of logos that I could use. I put it up on my Instagram stories. All of my customers voted on their favorite, was able to do a couple iterations and include my customers in that iteration pro um, process. And so now I have a logo, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. And like I mentioned at the top, I am really thoughtful about, you know, what I choose to spend my money on. And so I had gone to some branding specialists who are incredible at their craft and would potentially be great partners down the road. Um, but for the stage of the company that I'm in, um, you know, I actually didn't want to spend, you know, thousands of dollars. So getting to a logo that works pretty decently was a huge win for me. And, you know, in my past um, tech career, I've spent a lot of time with designers. So I also know enough about the limitations of what I'm seeing. And so if you work with a branding expert, you're, you're of course, going to 
have a, a logo or a final asset that follows all the industry best practices. So this is not that, but I think it's a game changer for small businesses who are totally fine with getting something that's 80% of the way of like what they need. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun for me, and I'm glad I have you hooked too, Ian. Um, yeah. So yeah, what have, what have you been playing with in, in mid-journey? Anything in particular? Well, I, I'm actually scheduled uh, for the Kombucha Conference that's happening in Long Beach next month to do a presentation on AI. And 90% of that's going to be on ChatGPT because I think you can generate mm -hmm. content for websites. You can some I've used it, for instance, I edit the Symbiosis magazine and a couple of very long technical scientific papers on kombuchas, uh, you know, acid alkaline balance and so on. If you drop that into ChatGPT, it'll summarize it for you. You can say, summarize this in 150 words, and it does a pretty good Love job. So with all this AI, you've got to, you know, buyer beware. It, it can also put in some uh, misinformation. But like you said, it gets mm -hmm. you 80 to 90% of the way there. So uh, with your permission, I'm actually going to show the people at the conference uh, your little, because you had the four, you know, mid-journey generates four options. I'm sure you might have done more than one yeah. generation. And then I should pick the final one. And I, I think it's, it's fun. It's uh, certainly, they've just released, I don't want to get into the technical uh, details here, but they've just released a new version, mid-journey version five. And on Twitter, there's a few people who, who display their prompts. And it's almost high definition movie or photograph level images that you can mm -hmm. create from scratch. So I don't think in the world of kombucha, logos are obviously uh, a source of uh, creativity. You could create uh, backgrounds, maybe a desert environment, because most kombucha companies like to show the bottle of kombucha, you know, on the beach in a desert on a snowy, uh, you know, um, slope. And uh, you, of course, there's nothing beats going out and putting a bottle there and taking a picture to show your beautiful kombucha in those environments. But something like mid-journey, you could generate backgrounds so that you could do that sort of thing. But um, you know, oh, that's yeah. a topic that I, I think the thing I take away from it, the whole of AI is doubling in power about every three months. So who knows where we'll be this time next year. But I think for kombucha yeah. companies, it's more the written content. But to, to finish up, I did want to just quickly ask, I, I, I take it, you know, you're, this isn't your full-time job. You're still a consultant, a small business consultant, and you do the kombucha, you scale it up and scale it down with the seasons. But where do you see, do you have any kind of dreams of where you'd like to be a year, two years, five years from now um, with kombucha? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are a couple of paths that I am excited about that I'm kind of holding close to the vest. But will I, what I will say is, you know, I'm excited for um, Wildflower Kombucha to like, kind of continue to almost be my muse and my experimentation playground. So the circular economy that we piloted last year, I think, is really meaningful and can help start a conversation in the industry. Um, you know, it was a great, uh, fun way for me to play with AI generation. And so I think that, you know, there is kind of a traditional path here of how I can grow this income stream and get it out into the hands of more customers. But also there's this fun experimentation ground that I'm just really excited to continue to use as an avenue to kind of push the envelope on 
how we in the food production industry kind of go to market, our practices, all of it. So, yeah, and to your mm. question as well, um, I do spend a lot of time still in the tech industry doing consulting. I am a product um, strategist by trade, and so if there's anyone that, that needs some help from a business lens, I'm happy to, uh, to lean in. That sounds great. Well, it was great to talk to you today, Taylor, and good luck uh, in the future. Thank you, Ian, and I'm excited to hear about the conference, and good luck to you as well. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.